Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. As here we are again, it's another sa- Saturday when we talk real estate. Uh, yeah, he looks awfully, awfully red over there. Oh, and wow. uh, you guys, uh, what is like they say, you came in here hot. You, <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Both literally and figuratively, I guess. Yeah, probably, from, yes. the, from the running. Uh, it's good we to were. see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. It, has it been a good week, real estate-wise? I actually, you know, Chris and I have been the last couple weeks flip-flopping back and forth with you know, kind of our success stories. And this last week for us was really good. We saw uh, three different offers come in and three different price ranges, one in the 200s, one in the fives, and one in the sevens. So it was a pretty nice reflection of all price ranges. Are you insinuating my week was bad? N- never. Oh, okay. <laughs> How Maybe you? you were just you know more what? planting no. seeds than no, harvesting. I mean, it does. It goes in, it goes in segments and uh, in, in some areas are hot and some areas um, cool. And then all of a sudden they kind of flip and flop. And so... Uh, I think you see that a lot in the fall. Um, sometimes weather uh, would would dictate that and getting people out. But I think it's kind of interesting because we had two new listings on that we did open houses on um, last Sunday. And uh, we did it. Uh, this is very interesting, by the way. Andy, I'm sure you'll find this interesting. But it's the first time I've ever done an open house on a Sunday from 11 to 1. Never did them earlier. You know, because you're always kind of playing around with the Vikings games. And so if it's a Vikings game, we'll kind of do it two to four. You know, so if they're losing, people leave and then they come. <laughs> and uh, it's, But it's a, it's a big difference. Well, from 11 to 12, we did, or 11 to 1, we did two of them. Um, and both of our open houses had 12 couples through before noon on both new listings. But also those two listings haven't had a MLS showing yet. But we had hmm. really good, I mean, really good feedback and it's just kind of so you're so doing your open houses when the consumer wants you to. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> instead yeah. of when you're yeah. available. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but that was the first time. I mean, 29 years of doing it. And it was the first time I, I yeah. did it at 11 o'clock, and uh, it was kind of neat. I mean, there some people were coming from church. They were, were preparing. I mean, most people were in Viking mm-hmm. outfits, and uh, so we're going to try it again. I, I think it'll work because yeah. people want to get on with their day, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, depending on the time of year, Saturdays, too, just consume all of us with, you know, the wrap-up of sports and, the you know, the football jamborees and the whatever going on. So there's a lot of distractions this time of the year. And then the <clears throat> Sundays are kind of the, as traditionally said, the day of rest. But it's also the day of research, I think, because a lot of people go out and confirm, look, and, and you know, kind of really research what they're looking for in, in housing, and it's it's a great day to do it because it's a relaxed day. It's your day to relax. So a lot of people, you know, I think uh, receive those very well. Yeah, and, and model homes, you're also seeing people coming back and trying to uh, get their decision process done, and uh, it's been, been interesting. I mean, people come in, and it, not a ton of traffic um, through the models, but the people that are coming are are hot on it and yeah. trying to figure out so they can get their foundation in before well, sure. it freezes. Well, yeah, that, that, and I also see a lot of the uh, home builders in the last uh, two weeks have done price adjustments on models that did not sell during the fall parade. If they were inventory homes, this is absolutely a, a fantastic time. If you're looking for a model home, a lot of those models have been reduced 
and they're brand new. They're under warranty. They're energy efficient. They're the current designs. It's, you know, there's so much cool, uh, I know, benefits to it, but it's, it, it, this is the time to, to do that. So, yeah, I was at an appointment just earlier today. And uh, two, two parts about the appointment is exactly what you're talking about. People are reducing some of those model homes to be able to kind of move them out and be able to kind of come in with the new spring stuff. But uh, the other thing is, and what I've talked about a lot, is that whole multi-generational uh, thing. And there's uh, some builders that are doing that. So they did take my idea, Andy. And, uh, and are creating neighborhoods because I think it – and it looks like a, a normal single-family home, but they not in the they have a separate entrance that goes in there mm-hmm. by the other front entrance, not like through a garage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just kind of like a little in-law suite or apartment. Um, Do they have like more than one kitchen? I mean, is, yeah, is like that – Yeah, they yeah. dinette. They have – so a bedroom, bath, kitchen, dinette, kind of a little great room area in it. And yep. then some of them even have their own um, garage. Yeah. So – no, it's it's a cool concept. It's just getting the uh, the local zoning to uh, accept it because it's Danny. It's weird. It's not multifamily usually. So what they'll say is single family truly means they must be a blood relative, right? They want same single family, the same you know blood relatives in the house. So there's not a rental potential. Okay. Because what they say is like there's people that'll say, hey, there's different you know taxes. There's different you know things that have to be done if it's what they call multifamily. And so this is a hybrid of the two, and it, it's something that I just. Man, housing's changing. We just got to, you know, catch up, I think. And Yeah, so they didn't take my idea completely is what you're saying. Because <laughs> I think you should, you should be able to, to be able to rent it out or, yeah. hey, say you're taking off for the winter and you have someone, a caretaker, yep. that would stay on that side and make sure that your house isn't going bad. I think you should go back kid, with the podcast. Parent. No, take the podcast back to them, you know, and, and play it to them and show them how you said this live on the air and maybe they'd <laughs> compensate you for that. Exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> so I have an idea. Let's invite our listeners to join in. Please on the conversation. save us. If you, if you have a real estate type of question, call it in or text it in. And again, that same number applies. Uh, your phone the call is 651-989-9226. And the text line is 651-989-9226 for your real estate related questions. Yeah. So uh, we've been, you know, this this type this time of year, obviously, when things maybe slow just a little bit, we kind of uh, hit on uh, different topics, and um, some of them are um, really what kind of people are watching for. I know, Andy, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier this week about we've got we got a lot of um, kind of feedback uh, when we started talking about earnest money. Yeah, we did. You know, and and what happens with earnest money and how that whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we had uh, quite actually had a, several of our real estate agent listeners that are out there. Um, you know, and the, and the idea there is that we, we're a lot of times we listen to shows like this just to kind of confirm and collaborate on the ideas, and it's it, it it's confirmed with me that the idea of earnest money uh, has lost its luster. It's it's, you know, I think the consumer that's receiving an offer thinks earnest money is basically saying, "Hey, here's how serious it I doesn't am. Go through. If it doesn't go through, keep the money. Yep. It's on us. You know, sorry for the hassle, yep. but that's not what it is at all. And it's it's gotten to the point of where. I, we were one of the agents actually said they should add another line in there that says this is a non-refundable offer gift that you can keep. Like here's five hundred dollars just to accept our offer, to work through the contingencies. It applies towards the purchase price. If we walk away for no reason, we get to keep you know any of it. You guys, it's a it's a gift. And so I think it's an interesting concept. And it's it's a uh, I don't know how exactly the legalities of it would work. Obviously, there's smarter people than us that write those forms, but. 
you know, I think it's something that could definitely be considered to make offers have more teeth. Yeah, because what, what happens is typically an offer is um, subject to an inspection, which is a contingency. Sometimes it's on the sale of another home, and then usually it's uh, always um, on financing to make sure that they're able to finance the property. Well, there's there's things in the purchase agreement that really um, kind of take into account the financing part if we actually put a date in there. Mm-hmm. But if we don't put a date in there, and let's just say someone walks away, and for, they walk away for any reason, just said, you know what, just kidding. I, uh, I mm-hmm. wanted to go buy this other house anyways, and uh, I just don't want to do it. You know, at that point, I mean, the sellers obviously can sue them to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that they need to then, uh, you know, they can't, they can't go sell their house to someone else. Right. I mean, they could subject up. to the cancellation yeah. of the other property, but that's what people do. So the yeah. buyer holds them off and says, you know what, I'm not going to sign. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to sell unless I get my earnest money back. Right. So earnest money, yeah, it doesn't have that that teeth. And a lot of sellers will say, well, geez, that's not that much earnest money. And it's like... I mean, 10 or 50, it don't matter. Right. I mean, unless, unless, you know, people say, well, let's, let's make that hard, that they can't get that back. Right. Well, the problem is, is that there's so many other um, uh, houses out there or sellers that are willing to accept it. That's not the case. So if everyone yeah. was doing it, it wouldn't be so hard. But right. I think with multiple offers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you get those hot markets where you're getting, you know, three to five, six, seven offers mm-hmm. on it. To be able to try something like that and say, hey, my earnest money is – it's good. I mean, if well, you're confident, you're, you're qualified, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not going to walk away, then why wouldn't you make it? And don't you think that that would make the offers a lot – I mean, more honest right out of the shoot? Because if they know there's non-refundable money, they're not going to offer way more than asking price. They're not going to offer those crazy, you know, incentives to get the – because remember this. It's a show, Denny. I mean, these these agents are writing offers on properties to try to get their buyer's offer accepted. So they're – putting all the frosting and all the decorations they can on it to make it look attractive. But what it comes right down to it is what is my seller's bottom line is really ultimate. And can they meet our closing dates? Can There's so many things that go into an offer being accepted from a seller that it, it's nice to have some sureties. Yeah. And you see a lot when it comes to earnest money that people are like, well, wow, you know, they're putting, they're putting $10,000 down as earnest money. They must be a real strong buyer. And that's what us as buyer's agents are trying to depict. But if that, if that earnest money isn't um, hard, it doesn't matter, you know. Tell you what, Breaks let's do this. Already. Let's take a break. Yes. Uh, again, if you have a real estate question, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show. If you have that kind of a question, call it in or text it in. Again, that same number applies, 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy, text came in a couple of minutes ago, and it says this. From offer to close, what is the fastest you've had? Mm. Andrew. I had. I used to have an investor that was, at least I still have the investor, but uh, they were doing offers where they were 100% of the asking price and earnest money. So if it was a $150,000 house, we'd write a check for one fifty, and we would say, as soon as you can demonstrate clear title, we'll close. And the inspection was done at the showing. It was like basically the crew came in. It was really fa- – we had those closing in like 10 business days or 14 – they'd yeah. ask for 14 calendar days. So that's so, a fast – A couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's when you don't have banks involved, yes. Yeah, and you got to have a lot of things going for you. you got to have a vacant property, mm-hmm. you know, typically because otherwise they can't get out. Um, but it's usually – if title work is kind of the biggest thing. And I, I remember I had one on Sunday and we closed on Friday. Um, and – 
typically it's not bank financing that's has to right. it's got to be cash to be able to get that done mm-hmm. so um what about, about a financed offer though what's the fastest finance you've seen 30 um I mean, oh, easily, yeah. I mean, 20, and that's with everybody 21. hustling. Yeah. Well, that's with everybody hustling. Though. I mean, you, because think about this, guys. I mean, you have a home inspection now. If somebody asks for ten days, well, that that clock doesn't really start ticking until the end of the ten days or yeah. when you come to terms. So then, because you're not going to order title work, appraisals, and everything else until you know you you have a deal. So well, there's all the rules too. Right. I mean, they obviously have to get an appraiser, and they have to they can't go pick their appraiser. So mm-hmm. then they kind of got to work on a rush. Typically, you have more money into that to get a rush. Um, title work again, and then all the closing disclosures mm-hmm. that you have to, you know, you have to be able to review those for three days prior. So all that kind of plays into it. Yeah, I'd, well. I'd say budget thirty to forty-five days, even if you have a really a fast, good offer in your hands. So you know, if you're trying to budget, like, okay, if I put my house up for sale at the first of the month, and it takes thirty days to sell the house, and then forty-five days from there to close it, I'm going to be at basically Christmas or whatever. You know, I mean, that's yeah. real good. And also, the the buyer depends too on what kind of background stuff they got done ahead of time. Right. You know, if you're starting the whole loan process, you know, once you get a house, I mean, that's going to delay things. But if you've already gone through underwriting. You know, now it's basically, hey, appraisal title work, and we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I mean, so we're talking about financing of houses. Um, yeah. The amount of money that people are putting down now just for people. Well, okay, funny question, Denny. I got a little trivia for you guys. Uh-oh. Maybe it's not funny. Oh, what boy. do you think of the marketplace? How many buyers are putting less than 5% down? In the whole market. In the whole – across the U.S. This across is not – in Minnesota, oh, it's geez. a little bit different, but across the whole U.S. Because it is the number one most uh, used finance tool is is probably it, with the under 5% down. Yep. 32%. That's it. What do you think is number two for like Cash. 10, 15, 20, no, 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 not oh. yet. Used to be. Um, right now, it's uh, the 20% down. 23% of our buyers nationally are, are doing 20%. Another 18% are putting 20% or more down. So there's the highest representative of the market right now is the 20% and higher deposit if you put the two numbers together. And that's uh, interesting. You know, it shows that we've got solid buyers taking mm-hmm. advantage of the really historically low interest rates. Um, you know, but there's still people taking advantage of the appreciation train too or getting the lower payments because when they compare rent to like buying a new house and they look at how low that payment is right now, it's hard to turn it down. Even if you think, oh, there might be a little bit of a housing bubble coming or whatever, whatever you want to put into your head. Um, you still are locking that payment in for 30 years. And so you're, if you stay there for a while, you know, time cures all. I'd be really curious to see what that same stat was in like 2002 to 2006. Cash. Because no, <laughs> no I mean, I mean or, uh, they were financing. I mean, they're giving yeah. away financing for nothing. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know? I thought you were saying. I mean, it's almost like negative, you know, yes. they gave me 5% to buy it. Right. I mean, it was, it was crazy back then and how little you had to put down to be able to kind of get into it. Well, you know what's crazy, though, is that they ran out of those buyers. I mean, those buyers, even with those crazy, crazy terms out there, they ran out of those buyers and they started having to offer other things. But it was, that's a whole nother But that's what happened. Show. And that's how the foreclosure thing all kind of, well, a portion of it. But is that once they realized, hey, we didn't have really much money into it and it fell and it's going to cost me 50000 to kind of close on it. It's just like, no. Forget it. Forget what it. it go. What on. are you guys looking at as far as a, for first-time home buyers? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is like the age? Is it, is it become older, more mature? Uh, first-time home buyers only, though, I'm asking. I, I, I've been uh, experiencing anywhere from 23 to like 28. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. I, I would agree with that. I think that there's... 
a few people that are sneaking in in their 30s, but when they've waited that long, it's because they've deferred the the family formation a little yes. longer. Maybe they, they've educated themselves, they're, you know, a master's in something, and then they are getting their real job, and now they decide to, you know, buy the house and do whatever, so they're getting into their low early 30s. But I also see people that are the empty nesters that sold their place, got away from it, were renters, you know, or whatever. And then now they're saying, you know what, this renting thing isn't exactly everything I was looking for. So let's go back into owning a more modest house, you know, less maintenance. And, and uh, so I'm seeing that again. And every three years, I believe it resets that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, so you are technically qualified as a first time buyer again. Yep. After three years. So you can get into the different programs. But uh, and, and people that are doing that, because you're exactly right, a lot of people are doing that because number one, one of the reasons is, is that the investors now are selling those houses, mm-hmm. you know, that were in them. They're saying, you know what, we're, we're going to finally make some money. Let's get out of here. You kick the renter out. And then so the less rentals you have, what happens? The rent goes up. Mm-hmm. And then they start looking at it and saying, geez, we could buy a house and we could, you know, be $500 less a month to be able to, you know, afford that because and, of and what's happening to rent. And the key thing, Danny, is it's locked in for 30 years or 15 years or whatever your loan term is. So you don't. That's the only thing that you always subject yourself to is with the lease. Is that if unless you sign a really long lease, which most people won't want to do because that defeats the purpose of a lease. Sure. Um, then that rent is kicking in. You know, on an average, it's been five percent over the last twelve years, I believe, in the Twin Cities. So those rents keep clipping along, and I think you're starting to see that kind of curtail a little bit because there's so much out there for rent. And these, you know, they're building these basically cities, these apartment building yeah. cities that have you know six hundred units. And I mean, they're beautiful and they're awesome, but it's, it's, I think there's a, so much in the market, we saturate it, and then eventually it goes back to, it swings the other direction. All right, I tell you what, we have another half hour of the show to go as we take this break. Uh, call us or text us your real estate question. Both number, uh, both uh, situations are the same number, 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to The Real Estate Show. If you have that kind of a question, you can call it in. Or text it in. The same number applies. 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy in studio here for about another 25 minutes or so. So call us or text us if you have any kind of a real estate type of question. Uh, Here is one that uh, just came in. When selling a condo, are comparables used just from the same unit or other condo units also? Mm, Good question. Depends. (laughs) We say that word a lot, but it's true. Um, it depends, but most likely, I mean, you, you're going to kind of get your value based on what that building is selling for because mm-hmm. condos, uh, more so than a lot of things. I mean, there's obviously those units share everything the same as this place. And if there's nothing available kind of around it, that might be able to kind of get it up. But I would, if, if an appraiser made that decision, they would use all the comps from that building. Right. I mean, oh, if they course. had them. Yeah, from a from, if you're thinking of borrowing, you know, somebody some money, and and you look at, you'd want all the comps from the same building, in my opinion. So if you have unit B and there's 30 unit Bs, and you know what the last three of them have sold for, that's probably going to be very indicative of what you're going to see for sale price, or real close. I mean, you may have adjustments on there for maybe you put in a fancier kitchen or you have a whatever, but at a at some point there's diminished returns on improvements because when you're in a building like that, you do have everybody around you and it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. So you have to be careful when you're making those investments, not to overinvest into a, a property. The other thing I would say is that I determine value on too, is, is how many versions of financing are available to that property. Is your building FHA approved, you know, uh, VA approved, are they, you know, and so it just brings more buyers into the, the audience to sell to, which also can enhance the, the selling property. Yeah, you bet. Okay. So, um, 
one of the things uh, we get, we always have these articles and then we kind of uh, either agree with them or disagree with them. And mm-hmm. uh, one I kind of want to go at here is uh, with House Logic, and it's talking about home upgrades that have the lowest ROI. So return mm-hmm. on investment, the lowest return on investment. So we apologize in advance, anybody, if you've made these improvements this summer. Yeah, but I don't, there's some <laughs> we, I don't agree with. Because you don't want to lose any listeners. We, we're hanging yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So number one, they say, is an outdoor kitchen. What do you think? I think it depends on what you – because here's the deal. I think everybody likes that backyard, you know, let's go out on the deck or sit on the patio and have a barbecue grill and then, you know, all the different variations of of grilling now and smoking and whatever else that you can do for – Pizza ovens. Pizza ovens, yeah. yeah. And, if I mean, if you have $5,000 invested into a kitchen that I would actually love or do you have 50000 Because I know some of the projects that you guys are working on, Chris, around pools and around wherever where it's like literally an outdoor hibachi kitchen – and they're they're not investing five thousand. That's five thousand just for the little mini fridge under the counter, probably. You right. know? So it's like, I think in that case, it really depends on your audience that you're trying to sell to, and the price point. And the price point. And I think that that's that's a really good point. Is the price point. And they're, what they're saying is that you know for what it costs and the median cost of an outdoor kitchen is fourteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. They said, are you really even going to use it? You know. But here's the thing. And when you're when you're looking at houses, you don't look. A lot of times, you don't look practically. Until a little later, you're right. emotionally kind of get into it and say, you know, that's the coolest thing in the world. We're going to have parties out there all the time. All our friends right. can come over. We can finally have, you know, uh, uh, a summer get together with all our friends. I'm going to use know, this jacuzzi we, tub every night after totally, work. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's another one, yep, by the way. Yep, yep, the, the in-ground <laughs> spa that, and, and the in-ground swimming pool, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, but a, a swimming pool, no, you don't typically get your, your money back on that. But there is some things that you enjoy. And I don't think it's as bad as what everyone thinks if it's in the right price point yeah. and it's done the right way. Well, well I was going to say, think about this for a second. You know, if you, if you have a house that's a $250,000 house and you put an $80,000 pool in there, you, my friend, have made a really interesting investment that I, you may not see a return for for 30 years. On the other hand, if you have a million-and-a-half-dollar house and you put an $80,000 pool in, I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you. They probably will like it. You know, so it's, but if you have a million dollar house and put in a forty five thousand dollar pool, that's going to hurt you, right? You know, yeah. I mean, it's going to it's going to have the opposite effect. But the other thing is, is is in those, I think a lot of people when they talk about pools, mm-hmm. they're always talking about maybe the houses that, um, you know, maybe it's someone that's been living there for a while and they say, oh, we love this place, let's put in a pool. The the kids will love it, and then they go to sell it, and it's like a lot of people in those price points. You know, they're pushing to kind of get into that house and you throw a pool on the top. Yeah. They're not free to run. Right. You know, so it costs a little money to be able to do that. And so that that's the other part that hurts it. I got hung up on this article because I read a lot of real estate stuff. And there was this article about the houses with the most exotic water parks on their properties. And some of these properties like down in Texas literally have their own like version of what you see out at Valley Fair. And they must have had a million dollars into these water parks. And the guy said... The only thing that's really tricky is the $8,000 a month electric bill that it costs to run my water park for my oh. kids a month. Yeah. Eight grand. I was oh. like, holy cow. <laughs> it's a great water park. I'd, I'd live on a creek and tell my kids I'd jump in there with <laughs> inner tubes, you know? Okay. <laughs> the number four worst, uh, lowest ROI is an elevator is what they're saying. Unless you need one. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think in some cases an elevator could be a real advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, it just – I think on these, it's kind of like, hey, yeah, if I put an elevator in a 
in that same two hundred fifty thousand dollar house that we're talking right. about, you know, that's that's not going to work. I think yeah, I agree with you because I, I think we should put a little a preface on both sides. So this is about let's say you're building a new house and you're adding an eighty thousand dollar elevator to the home versus doing a retrofit for somebody that all of a sudden all is on wheels and they need that wheelchair to access their whole home and they don't want to move. For an example, that. That's a little different because I think that when you extend the use of your existing property where you have equity and you love living there, worth every penny. I really do. I, I think that especially if you're going to stay there a while. But like you're saying, Chris, if it's a on a new build, just to see if you can get a higher return on the, the new build, I don't know if that would necessarily. But it would make you interesting to more people. You know, you'd see people coming to your town and looking at your house that normally wouldn't live there because they want the elevator. It could. And it could justify that, you know, a lot of people want a main floor bedroom. Mm-hmm. And if you have bedrooms upstairs and mm-hmm. – and, and typically, because your bedroom's on the second floor, it's typically a bigger bedroom, right. you know, because otherwise, if it's on the main floor, you have to make the foundation bigger, just costs a lot more money. So if you have that elevator that goes up into that hallway or something, mm-hmm. it's it's a justification. You know what? And, and maybe they're saying, hey, we've got uh, kids in high school, mm-hmm. and this is our forever home. Right. It's kind of like, you know what? They can still come back and visit, and we'll have a place right. for them, and we could always use that elevator. You know, if it, if it gets bad enough that we can't walk the stairs. So, so I had the privilege, uh, privilege of helping a, a client. We were looking at houses that did have elevators, and this was a few years back. What was really interesting, Chris, is how quickly the the buyer would identify an elevator as being creepy. Like, I don't want to go in. Look at that. It's a creepy, and there's three doors that shut, and it's like going into a jail cell, and Ooh. they don't like it. They, they, they would actually go down the stairs instead of using the elevator. Claustrophobic. Right? Almost, yeah. And so you really make sure if you're going to spend the money to do it right. So, you know. It actually is an enjoyable, inviting, There's bright. There's some small ones, and they creak, and they... They're yeah. creepy. Yeah. Because I would think about, what if you're home by yourself? You get trapped, and there's, you know... This week, my wife showed me, and you guys have run into this situation, showed me a picture of a house for sale, that the house itself, I'm guessing, was probably built 80, 1980, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. Mm-hmm. But what the uh, homeowner did, mm-hmm. the guy, he's very handy, he re- completely remodeled his garage... It is now a three-car garage, but actually a four-car garage because it's extended. It's got a full HVAC system in it. Sweet. And I thought, you know what? Let's move. I'll live in the garage. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's got to be an attraction. I would think that would help us the house sell in five minutes. Oh, yeah. I, it, garage space is great. I mean, it, it's definitely – I think being – you, Chris and I, you know, have talked about this a couple shows back where – People that are into their garage space for the overflow party or the, you know, hey, so now you can have the kids over after soccer, put everybody out there, you have a couple of card tables out there, you have music playing and they can spill their pop and nobody cares, you wash it down the drain. And But we're talking about garages, like the a lot of the garages I'm building new are insulated, they're heated, they have the epoxy floors there, they have a drain in the floor, they have hot and cold water out there, they usually sometimes even have a sink um, so, I mean, you're talking about somebody says spending twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 more in their garage than the average Joe, and, and that's what they're... I'm curious on that one, how they, they marketed that, because I think when you get something that's different or unusual, um, like a, a real cool wine cellar, it, there's always this kind of fight between what you want to market, you know, because if you put too much emphasis on that, maybe it's going to make the other stuff look less. But I think in in a case like in a garage like that, that's a specific thing that I would go and really push that marketing on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I would do that because it's not normal. You don't normally exactly. get it. And then it's kind of like, hey, you know, I could never talk Denny into moving and, you know, this will get him to go. You know, <laughs> and we can do something else with the well, house. Well, let me throw this out there real quickly. When an appraiser comes out to look at that house, at least up to this point, 
They will give you no value. Even if it's heated, insulated, the whole thing, if it's considered garage, it's garage, and they won't let you count it as finished. Ah, oh, interesting. So no matter how much money you spend on it, trust me, put, I argue with put this neon, guy about this. But if you put neon lights in, then it's, I also it's all have worth neon, it. I have neon deer totally heads. I have everything on my garage. How about a lift? A li- you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Get lifts. Yeah. And you, Seven and you grand, can remove you can buy a nice lifts. scissor lift. They're fantastic. Yeah. I tell you what, we need to take a break and quit dreaming. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be back after the break. If you have a real estate question, call us or text us, 651-989-9226. This is The Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to The Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Chris and Andy in studio answering your questions. We're playing a little trivia, too, uh, besides that. All right. Uh, there's a text that just came in, Then I know we have some other questions here. Um, our white refrigerator has died. What color appliances are buyers looking for these days? Matching? Yes, that number one matching. Mm-hmm. So if the other stuff's white. Um, but at this point, especially with the refrigerator, I would, I would make the move to uh, stainless steel. Well, don't, don't you think, I mean, there's nothing wrong with white if it's done right, but it, the problem is it screams 90s. You know what I mean? It's kind of that. It's dated it's itself, just like the avocado. Shiny green, brass. Or, yeah. or the yellow. Those Remember those kind of soft, oh, yeah, twinky colored? Yeah, mustard kind of <laughs> yeah. looking. Avocado yeah. green was not in the 90s, by the way. That was before that. That, that was, was the 70s. Yeah. 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 I, grew, I suppose if I grew up seeing them, that's true. We we I had a pair of those and they were super nice and uh, and we had a like um that it had them all painted yeah like, my first house <laughs> so we had them and then we went to white and we were really we we painted. actually are doing a lot of our islands now with that kind of almost like a navy green and uh, navy blue like a darker like chalky blue and they'll do the rest of the kitchen white or they'll do it with regular wood and then they're doing the islands a different color and then remember remember one of our very first shows we ever did together. We had that guy in from Sherman Williams, I think it was, that did the crackle paint islands, and he, I, we, we ran into him not too long ago, and he said he's still busy from the show that we had. He was on with us. He said he's just got this reputation for doing a crackle paint on islands, and everybody kept calling, and then he's referred after referred after referred. Wow. So he said to thank the listeners for that. Really? <laughs> that was yes. like eight years ago. I uh, can't. Let's see. Uh, should we paint our? This is the text now. Our honey oak wood windows and wood trim white. So that the younger buyers are more comfortable with that, it uh, it definitely makes it feel bigger. Um, you know, the thing is, is you got to be you got to be good about it too, though. You, I mean, it's got to be professionally looked because you you yeah. see a grain, yeah. um, and there is some uh, some painters they'll they'll spray something first to kind of knock that grain down. Yep. And uh, you know, if you're just going to go out there and start painting with a paintbrush, that might not be great. Um, a big thing is depending on you know. How, the rest of the house, I mean, if it's in good condition, mm-hmm. you, you might get away with it. And as long as you have uh, a clean house and, and get rid of some stuff, it, so it depends again. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like, like you're saying, Chris, if there's, you know, maybe they have a nice door that can match or there's a reason why they're painting it white other than just painting it white to hide it. I think that there's, you know, if you with the right interior decorator spend the time and invest into it where you can design your, your house to feel like, we went this direction because of style, not because of we wanted to hide something from the buyer because buyers are pretty smart, man. I mean, they look at that and go, ah, they just painted this because it's, gar-, you know, or it's the old routered particle board doors that we used to see back in the 80s all the time on, on houses. Now they're painted white. So, All right, here's another tech. By the way, if you want to send your real estate question via text, 651-989-9226. Here's one. Can a realtor work as an independent that's without a broker or a company? Got to be a broker to have a real estate license or yeah. work under a broker. Correct. Oh, is that true? Hmm. Yep. All right. 
somebody to supervise us. Yeah. Now, there's there's people that you can sell, like builders can sell up to 25 of their own homes. Yeah. You know, there's little rules that you can do. But, man, you subject yourself to some really interesting liability when you don't have the proper licensing. Yeah. Um, You know, is it deceptive? Is it intentional? Is it, you know, there's a lot of words those attorneys will throw at you that scare you. You're better off being legit. Here's another text, guys. Uh, what would be your recommendation regarding a 1995 built home with oak trim, leaving it as is, enamel the existing profile, or replace with wider trim and enamel? What would be the return mm. on your money spent? Is going to help uh, the house sell? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what else is enameled, and what else is oak, and if that's going to stay or go? Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, but like, I mean, it should so, definitely so help. Ex- let me let me help the, that texter out a little bit. Maybe they're talking about the different style of trim. So going from the Princeton trim that everybody had back in the 90s, that little three-and-a-half-inch profiled oak that was, I mean, it was cute at the time, but now nobody puts that in. Now everybody's using, like, the S4S, smooth four sides, you know, uh, square, or they're using bigger, you know what I mean, the styles have changed. So I think one of the advantages of maybe doing some of the trim, like maybe your base trim, the upgrade to a five and a half inch or a seven and a half inch profile really dresses up that trim and makes people feel like you've made some upgrades to the house and you're not stuck in that decade. Maybe Does I don't it know feel like it 95? It feels like 2019. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. And that's what we say about backsplashes. Mm-hmm. You change your backsplash and make it 2019. And then that's what they focus on. Right. You know, but it's kind of, kind of go with the other stuff, you know? Yeah. So if you just did the trim and did a new profile, which is easier to paint, and mm-hmm. it's it's made to be able to paint. Well, and I think um, with windows, too, if you have a lot of window treatments or window, you know, um, yeah, treatments, I guess you should say, um, then there's not a lot of emphasis put on the shape of the trim on the windows as there would be as if it was, you know, a brand-new built house where they're, they're literally naked, and then you can see every little corner and miter. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in your question. The same number applies if you want to send a text. You got a couple of questions. I, I, there was, hold on here. This one just came in. Uh, can you read that, Chris? Is it? I know. You said this is a good time to buy. Can you prove it? Interesting That's, enough. I'm, I'm yes, simplifying. Yes, this yes, I can. So I tell you what, we were uh, the first break we had. They were asking about like why is it a good time to buy, and what better easy thing for us all to compare is interest rates. Okay. So those of us that were back in in buying houses in the 70s. Avocado appliances. Yep. Your mm-hmm. avoca- think avocado, okay? Yep. Think avocado. Um, think hostess, Twinkie. Um, no. In the 70s, you have um, what percentage uh, do you think the interest rate was on average through the 70s? Denny? Mm, eight and a half. <laughs> Would you read my script? Yes. 8.86. Oh, is aver- that true? Yeah, good guess. Good guess. Yeah. In the 80s, what do you think the average interest rate was? Here? 12. Okay. What do you think, Denny? Oh boy! Late uh, see, I, I'd have to, to. I have to. I remember the early '80s uh, home improvement loan, seventeen percent. Yeah, the average actually with the front and the back of that decade averaged out at twelve point seven. So you were uh, real close, Chris. How about the '90s? At the end of the '80s was so. This is when Chris and I, you jumped into the business. I was at the end of the '90s jumping in the business. What was the average interest rate? None of nobody that's on my team believes. August of nineteen ninety was ten point five percent. Just so you know, okay? Because that's when I was licensed. What is your guess? And this is when now in the '90s. Hmm. I'm going to go lower though. Well, I, I I remember again around eight the the Seven. the early early he's, he's early right 90s. on eight point one two was the average in the in the nineties. How about the early two or the two thousands up to two thousand and ten? What would you say the average? Six percent. Yeah, I'd go with that. Six point two nine. Now this is what this is why I say what I say every week. You've ever heard me. 
okay, on this radio station. What do you think the average rate has been in the last eight years from 2010 to 2018? Five. Somewhere around five. Over four? Five and a quarter. 4.06. Wow. Is the average. So 4%. Isn't that wow. something? It, so you look at the eight, 8, 8.6, 12.7, 8, 6.2, and right now it's at four. And when people say, oh, it's at 4%, that's too high. We just, we're going to wait for rates to go back down. I'm like, you have no idea what you're saying. I mean, rates right now at 4% are like, and they're not even at four. They're at 3.67 or whatever they were yesterday. So, I mean, rates are, are money's on sale. That's all I'm trying to say. I never thought I'd ever live to see again a 4% interest rate. Ever. Yeah. It makes you wonder. I mean, it, it really, you know, you think everything's good in the world, but you're like, why would they give money away so cheap? Yeah. Of all the decades we've been alive, right? You know, and you sit there and you think about it, it's like rates should be at 6 or 7%. I mean, you, when you really think about what you're saying, would you lend a young couple money at less than 6%? With housing, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I would, you know, so it's like it's pretty cool that we're still able to offer that opportunity to so many people. I think it's just cool. Yeah, I'm still surprised it's at four percent over the last eight years. Yes, the yeah, average. It's kind of yeah moved around. And do you think that has something to do with? Um, I mean, everyone knows everything now, and I think you and and to be competitive and um, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that yeah. they they don't have a choice but to keep it kind of low. Well, you, yeah, I think that unfortunately for them, yeah, the hot tub gets set at 101 and people get uncomfortable when it goes down to 98. You know what I mean? It's like, ooh, it's cold in here now. I heard, hot, like tubs now, I heard hot tubs now have a high uh, high temperature that they can be at. 104 I just heard that, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no way. I got to get an old one. Just got to have that hot. I mean, this is uh, – <laughs> You want your yeah. skin to be scalding <laughs> red when you get out? Yes. All right, we have about uh, a minute or so to go. Yeah. Uh, any open houses to talk about? Lots, yeah. lots of them. And I'll tell you what, if you go to andyandrooney.com, mm-hmm. um, you'll find them yep. on there. Yep, so. we do, we generally try to share everything there. And, and uh, you know, all of our, we, I don't know, between the two of us, we probably have 16 open houses over the next two days. And it's, the, now's a great time. If you've been thinking about it, get out there, take a look at the houses. Everybody's adjusted their prices for the fall slowdown that we've started, just started to get into. And so there's good rates, great rates, you know, interest rates, low payments. It's awesome. And I was just looking at that forecast. You guys should have uh, great weather for the next uh, eleven o'clock on a Sunday. How's how's that look? Uh, it, it, it's <laughs> going to be uh, sunny, partly sunny near sixty-two tomorrow. Nice, wow. yeah, sixty-four today with clearing skies. We got to run. We'll see you guys again uh, next Saturday morning, ten o'clock hour, with more real estate talk here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas. Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.